Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fourth Perspectives podcast. I'm your host, Christian Clark. This episode is brought to you by Phoenix Feeds and Nutrition. Farmers feed the world, and we help them do it with our advanced dairy feed and nutrition. So today we will be speaking with our guest by telephone, uh, Randy Shanks from NutriBlend. He's the VP of North American Sales. And the bulk of our conversation revolves around Drive to Feed Kids or DriveToFeed.com, which is an initiative that NutriBlend has put in place to help curb hunger issues in the United States, particularly youth in local communities. And now we have Randy on the line, and you're joining us from Louisville, correct? I'm currently in Louisville, Louisville attending the annual FFA convention. I've been in uh, Nashville for the past month filming our next movie cover. Oh, great. What's uh, what's the title? Where the Fast Lane Ends. And that's a full, full-length full feature? Yes, it's a full-length motion picture. Um, we've got Melissa Reeves, who's uh, been a soap opera star on Days of Our Lives for the past 30 years, starring in it. Um, Scott Reeves, who's been on General Hospital in several movies. Mac Davis, um, who most of you know has uh, been in several movies, a uh, very famous country musician and songwriter. Uh, Christopher Knight, who's best known as Peter Brady, and several other stars in the movie. It's going to be a fantastic movie that we're excited to roll out next spring. Perfect. Now, will that have uh, some sort of like platform theatrical release, or is that mostly online and uh, DVD distribution? It's a made-for-TV movie. Okay. Um, it will have uh, appearances in theaters across the country, but it will be uh, limited to premier events. Um, but the, the intent is it's a made-for-TV movie. If you, if you look at the business model, um, more people actually see a made-for-TV movie than a theatrical release on average. Um, yet it's um, from a marketing standpoint, it's uh, if your intent is to get the, the, the movie in front of as many people as possible, from an economic standpoint, it's a no-brainer to go with made-for-TV. You just don't get the glitz and glamour of some of the Hollywood awards, but that's not what we're after. We're after getting the message in front of as many people as we can. Well, that's great. And, and uh, Randy, tell me what that message is. What we want to do is, through the relationships and the characters in the, in the movie, um, get the message, messaging out about um, modern agriculture and how um, we are able to provide a nutritious, safe, affordable, sustainable food supply and how we're far more efficient than we were even 40, 50 years ago while providing a safer food supply. And we try to dispel many of the myths and misconceptions and, and preconceived notions out there as it relates to the image of our industry and get the um, typical uh, American citizen to realize that they shouldn't fear what we're doing in agriculture We'd rather be excited about the advancements that we've made in technology, that we do provide an extremely safe food supply, one of the safest in the world. And so it's not only not fear um, the food, particularly protein that's being produced in the United States, but rather embrace the advances that we've made because it's not only safe, but it's more efficient. And we've got to feed 70% more people in the next 35 years. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is by continuing to, prov- to provide uh, more efficiency enhancements. Right. And, you know, obviously, as we know, there's two sides to that argument. You know, you've got the, 
the people out there that are very pro um, uh, you know advancements in the industry and and conventional and then obviously there's the the organic side or the non GMO side um, but obviously there's the stigma that seems to come with the um, conventional side I mean how did that all kind of come to play I mean where you know you're saying that obviously that these advancements are a necessity to keep up with um, you know the growing populace and um, population, and um, but you know, can you kind of shed some light on that? I mean, is it has it mostly been just through like smear campaigns and things like that, where the stigma has kind of been assigned to conventional? Or I mean, how does that all come about? And in, in some ways, it seems like it's just a marketing thing. Very much so, Christian. Um, our industry has always been based and founded in science, and I'm so thankful for that. That. Um, we are so careful to make sure that um, any changes that we make in agriculture are, are deeply rooted in sound science. And most scientists always believe that ultimately science, um, correct science, will prevail. And while that's the way that it should be, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the way that it is anymore. Good marketing trumps good science these days. You know, when we were, at least when I was younger, um, the way that we formed our beliefs was through what our parents taught us, and if we needed to learn something, we'd look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica. We'd look for the facts to make our decisions, but unfortunately, today, the way the beliefs are formed is whatever is on the screen is gospel. Whether that's a TV screen, a movie screen, or a computer screen, if they see it on the screen, then they believe it to be true. And then the, their beliefs are formed from that. And unfortunately, once somebody forms a belief, it's virtually impossible to get them to change their mind. And so our, the people on the other side of the fence have been you know, out there aggressive with their marketing campaigns, with the smear campaigns, to, to use your phrase, um, with the marketing of their message. And they're getting people to believe that it's true. And nobody's going back to look at the science to determine whether those those statements are factual or not. So we're trying to um, take the take our message in a in a different light here. Yes, it's absolutely grounded in science, but we're trying to get the message out in a more palatable form of a form that the average um, consumer will listen to, and that's on the screen by getting these messages out through through movies as opposed to just another science journal. So. Um so yeah, obviously you're using um, the the technology that's available in that realm and the media realm to to be able to connect with um, you know the masses, which sounds like it can be a really effective way to do what you're what you're doing. And um, one of the things I'm I'm wondering is does the initiative that you have going with the messaging through the the motion pictures um, does that tie into the drive to feed as a whole campaign, or are they looked at as two separate initiatives? Well, to give you a little background, Christian, um, uh, about four years ago, we started what we called the Drive to Feed, or excuse me, the Chew on This Tour. And we took a tractor trailer uh, that we turned into a theater across the country with some videos that we produced that uh, tried to um, show our industry in a very positive light and you know, present the facts uh, in, a, in a very entertaining and creative way. And we took this trailer to um, state capitals across the country, colleges and universities and state fairs and civic events, 
and we were able to reach a few hundred thousand people with this message. And when people heard the message, it had, and we did lots of exit polling and exit surveying, and we found that form to be very effective. Um, and then uh, after uh, about a year, we decided to not only take the messaging to the American public, but then also um, partner with our um, customers and our vendors to uh, put action to this messaging. And we started the Drive to Feed Kids campaign where we would partner with our customers across the country to help feed hungry children in their hometown. And we had phenomenal success on it. The first year alone, we, we raised enough money to uh, provide over 7 million meals to hungry children in the United States. And um, through some relationships that developed uh, with uh, through the country group Sawyer Brown, their lead singer Mark Miller, and his involvement in the movie industry and some different connections that um, were just absolutely late in our lap, we realized that the chew on this tour, while effective, um, we could be more efficient if we were to turn to the big screen or to the movie industry as opposed to just a single trade tractor trailer running around across the country that so we could literally hit tens of millions of people each year with the message if we would move to um, this movie forum. So that's a that's a real quick evolution sure. of, of what we've been trying to accomplish, Christian. Yeah. And um it and it's kind of interesting. It seems like it's multifaceted. Obviously you have you have the 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 motion pictures um, that you've you've refined how you're getting those out there and, and reaching more uh, folks, but then additionally, as as you had mentioned, um, this this drive, this food drive to um, you know feed children in local communities and make sure that we're taking care of our own, you know, here at home, and uh, um, that's kind of it. Seems like it's a very grassroots based initiative um, and very tangible, and so that's something I wanted to talk to you about as well. Is is you know how that all works and, and, and what that looks like. You know, if I'm a, say a, a, a feed mill owner or a farmer or, um, some sort of a coalition of, of, um, ag, uh, industry folks, you know, and we want to tap into this and become a part of this initiative, you know, what, what do we have to do? Cause it seems like it can be a relatively daunting task to say, you know, how do we, how do we raise, the resources or, or find the resources to host events or things in our local communities that are going to generate, you know, enough revenue to, to really be able to, to make a dent in the, the, you know, the, the larger issue of making sure that, um, you know, our young people are fed well. Um, somebody once told me the hardest thing about, or the most important thing about learning how to ride a bull is to get on the bull. And, that would be true in many aspects of life, and this is certainly one of them as well. Fortunately, um, starting or getting involved in a in a program that helps feed hungry children in your community is a lot less scary and a whole lot easier than learning how to ride a bull. And you know, my encouragement would just be to to just to get involved and to learn in your local community what the needs are. And if there's a program already in existence, to get involved with that program. And if there's if there's not, to, to take the lead and to start one up. It's it's not like starting a huge corporation. You can start off small and and build, um, but it's not very difficult to get going. But it's incredibly rewarding. And 
I think most people are naive as to what hunger really does exist in their local community. I can tell you hundreds and hundreds of stories, Christian, but I'll, I'll tell you one real quick, if you, don't, if you don't mind. Of course. We had a our chew on this truck at the State Fair in Minnesota um, a couple of years in a row, and the second year, this lady comes um, almost running up to us, tears in her eyes, and she had her arms out. She said, I'm so thankful that you're back here again this year. I've been looking, looking to, to find you, and I'm so thankful that I found you. She says, i got to tell you my story. Because I came here last year, and I went through your two on this truck, and I watched your video, and I just left here furious. I was just furious. I knew this was nothing more than a scam, that there wasn't hungry children in my community. There wasn't, there's not hungry children in the United States, and you guys are trying to exploit some myth for your own personal gain, and I set out to... Um, to show that you guys are nothing more than a scam, and I was going to do my research and write you a scathing letter and try to exploit you for what I knew you to be, and nothing more than scam artists. So I went home and I got on the internet and I started researching to find the data so I could um, expose you. And the more I got to digging into it, the more I got to researching it, the more I realized that you were right. And I was wrong, and there were hungry children right there in my hometown. And as tears start rolling down her cheek, she says, so instead of writing you that scathing letter, I instead started a backpack program in my hometown where children who are malnourished and food insecure I now pack up food to send home with them on the weekends so that they have something to eat on weekends until they can get back to school on Monday. And now then, because of what you did, there are now over 100 children a week that are getting fed on weekends because of you. And I just wanted to say thank you for opening my eyes. And, and I can tell you literally 100 stories just like that. But I, I think people just don't realize that hunger does exist in their hometown. Right. And we need to do something about that. Yeah, and um, through through this initiative that you have, this campaign, uh, chew on this, and you know the the, the drive to feed. Um, obviously, you have a nice comprehensive website at drivetofeed.com where you can really go and, and get a get all the facts and, and a, a clear sense of what is going on and the, and the scope of of um, the issues that that we need to tackle here. Um, and you know, I'm I'm. One of the things that I think could, you know, be potentially happening is that, you know, people see this and they think, wow, this is so big. How am I going to make a difference? And it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, your analogy of, you know, riding the bull is, you know, that you just you got to start somewhere. So at any level um, and from my understanding, what what you guys are providing, what Nutriblend is providing is the resources to help people get started. Can you tell me a bit about that and how that works? Absolutely. We've got a, a kit um, that's kind of one of those add water and stir kind of kits for people who want to get started. Um, it provides them with the information that they, they need um, to get a program started. Um, if they want to have a local fundraiser event, um, we can provide all of the information that they need. Um, the 
it's kind of a turnkey operation, including the, the posters and the marketing information and so on and so forth to, to help you get started. Who realize it does seem like a daunting task, so if you've got a, a simple manual to follow, it makes it a lot easier and a lot less scary, and it, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. In addition to that, <clears throat> with our, our customer base, um, anybody that signs up in the program, we will provide a portion of any all the money that they um, uh, or any of the sales um, that we have to them. We'll provide a portion of that back um, to help their local backpack program and help sponsor that. So, so um, do you do you have a rough idea of how many of these backpack programs that have been initiated through your program are are functioning currently? Um, we have nearly 140 of our customers now that have started that either gotten involved in a in a program that already existed in their community or have started one up. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't give you a, an exact number, sure. Christian, as far as how many other programs have gotten started that are outside of our industry or that aren't our customers, but just um, through our messaging have heard about this issue. And, and just like this lady in Minnesota went out on her own and, and got one started, even though she has no affiliation to to Nutriblend or to our industry. Um, but we hear literally two to ten stories every week about people outside of our industry um, that have heard the message through our um, initiative and and gone out there and, and started their own program. So. And, and since, um, you know, that woman had, had kind of come full circle in terms of her perception of, of what was being presented, um, do you feel that that stigma has kind of washed away at this point that people really do look at this and say, wow, yeah, they're, they're making a difference. You know, you guys are making a difference in the local communities in the United States to help um, curb this problem. Well, we're trying. We certainly are trying. And, and we're trying to do it in as, as big a way as we can. Um, unfortunately, this is a, a huge country and a huge issue. And, and you know, when um, we talk about reaching a few hundred thousand people, with our um, drive to feed message and our drive to feed tour, um, while we can feel real proud about that, and you know the the survey results we got showed that we really did impact their their understanding and their beliefs as it relates to our industry. Um, unfortunately, a few hundred thousand people. When you look at a population of 350 million in the United States, wasn't enough, and so that's why we went to this movie where we can. Um, reach 10,000 or 10 million people this first year and next year with two movies going on, um, we hope to reach close to 25 million people. That's still less than 10% of the population. So we've still got a long way to go and we need to, we need everybody to get involved. You know, this, this isn't just a something, one person or one company. I, I speak all over the country and, um, one of the things that I try to get people to, to understand is if I'm the only one out there uh, beating the drum, I can only make so much noise. And if Nutriblend is the only company out there beating the drum, we can only make so much noise. But if our whole industry will come together on this and we all understand the issues that we're facing as, as it relates to incorrect public perception, if we'll all come together and 
on the messaging and we'll all come together on feeding hungry children, then together we can make a huge noise and we can make a huge impact. And in my opinion, we can, we can really change our nation, therefore changing the world, but it's going to take all of us getting involved and not just most of us sitting around going, hey, I really like what it is that they are doing. This is all of our problems. This is all of our issues. And so we've got to all come together on this. So let me ask you, Randy, you've, you've obviously, you have a, you play a very significant role in this, um, uh, this, this drive to, to, you know, help feed people. I mean, obviously that's the business that you're in, but also personally going around, I mean, this, this at some point has probably transitioned into a a personal endeavor on your part. Can you tell me about that and what it means to you to be a part of this? (laughs) It means a big sacrifice. I'll tell you that, Christian, you know, Unfortunately, my boss still thinks that I, I need to do my regular job, <laughs> <laughs> which I absolutely love. So this is in addition to that. And it does take a lot of time, energy, effort, and, and commitment. Um, I've, I have seen my home three days in the last four and a half weeks, and I will only see it two more days in the next three weeks. Um, so it is a big sacrifice. Sure. and. You know, fortunately, my my wife's very supportive, but it's it's too big, it's too important to not give it its its due attention. That you know, we can't idly sit by and think that this issue of our industry's public perception is going to go away. We've got to stand up and fight for for what's right and what's true. And and the same with these hungry kids. You know what? Yeah, it'd be real easy for me to to work a lot less hours. You know what? At the sacrifice of some more kids not getting fed, um, it's it's not worth it. We've got I've I've got to do it. You've got to do it. We've all got to do it. And if we don't, you know, if if we don't stand up at this moment in time, at this time in history, then you know we're going to get steamrolled about you know antibiotics and then reptilphamine and then cage-free and then organic and then just on and on and on. And ultimately, the goal that our adversaries have here is to eliminate animal agriculture in the United States. And they're chipping away at us. And if they win, well, we've already got 9 million people that die every day or every year from starvation and malnutrition. 7 million of them are children. That's more people die every year from starvation and malnutrition than all forms of cancer combined. Mm. And 22% of our youth here in the United States, yeah, our youth don't starve to death like they do in many other parts of the world, but they are food insecure, and, and it's getting to the point in many cases that it is affecting their brain development that they're, they're not getting enough calories, particularly protein, to fully develop their brain like they could and they should. And, you know, think whatever you want to about their parents. I don't care. It's not the kid's fault. And if our adversaries win and eliminate ag- animal agriculture here in the United States and, and crop agriculture in many ways through their restrictions and bans on GMOs, then how many more million people are going to die? And it's not right. It's not right. We've got to stand up, and we've got to fight this, not just for the benefit of our industry and for our own employment. You know, 
we'll all find other jobs. That's not what I'm concerned about here. Is how many more millions of people are going to die if we let them have their way? We can't do that. It, this is a moral and ethical issue, and it's a and it's our moral and ethical obligation to stand up and fight for these hungry kids in the United States and the starving people around the world. Let me ask you, Randy, and obviously you're extremely passionate about this, and rightly so. Um, is there a balance? I mean, is there is, is there some sort of balance between the the two sides where you feel that that there can that basically everybody can can come together uh, to continue to effectively and efficiently produce food and maintain you know the the agricultural world without absolute destruction by going you know in the opposite direction i mean do you think that that at some point people can kind of find a way to coexist in that realm uh, absolutely we can if, if, and again if truth prevails then absolutely we can we're not saying that people shouldn't eat organic you know, if, if you're affluent enough to pay four times the price for an organic egg and you want to do that because you want to look pompous or make a political statement or whatever, that's absolutely your right. What, what we're saying is most people can't afford that, and it's going to – how many more people are going to go hungry and how many more people are going to starve to death if everybody is forced to go that direction? Mm-hmm. The analogy that I use is – you know, maybe you can afford to drive a Bentley to work. And that's your right to do that. And it's your income that you've earned. And if you want to drive a Bentley to work and, and take your kids to school and get a Bentley, then good for you. But the rest of a lot of the rest of us can't afford a Bentley and we've got to take our kids to school and afford. Don't force me to either drive a Bentley or walk my kids to school. Mm. If I can only afford a Ford, then at least I'm getting, it's a means of transportation that adequately does the job. Right. And traditional agriculture provides just as safe, just as nutritious food as these organics or the other options that are out there. And again, we're not saying that people shouldn't have rights and access to that. If they want to, grow organic food, and, you know, that's absolutely their right. Just don't make other people feel guilty about the fact that they're substandard if they don't, because from a nutritional standpoint, there's zero added value. So don't make a a, a mother feel guilty that she has to feed her children traditional food when there's absolutely no difference. She's just saving some money. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, you know, and I, and I think obviously you, you you make some really good points in that regard because people should have the choice, um, and um, I think that you know that's something that's really great about what you guys have on the website. If people go to drive to feed dot com, you can really look at the facts and analyze the facts and and the information that you guys have presented, <clears throat> excuse me, in a very clear, clear, concise way um, to really start that conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think obviously you have started the conversation and that's, that's why we're talking to you today. And, and, you know, there seems to be a lot of positive, um, 
positive uh, uh, interest in in what you're doing, and and obviously um, taking the initiative and the drive to to use the resources to perpetuate this idea of quality food um, for for young people and people in general is a pretty amazing thing. So obviously, I want to commend you guys on, on that. And um, I do have a question though: Are we gonna at some point get to see? the chew on this truck show up in Vermont? <laughs> um, we do still have the, the chew on this truck running some. Um, we have dialed down the number of events that it attends each year, mm-hmm. um, um, mainly because the move, funneling our resources to the movies um, is much more efficient for, um, for the amount of money that it takes us to reach 100,000 people with the Chew on This tour, we can reach 10 million people through movies. So from an from a efficiency standpoint, it's became pretty apparent that movies is, is the better route to go. Um, Ivy League Farmer, it was our first movie. Um, it will be, we've premiered it throughout the country in, in various movie theaters, and it will be appearing um, on network, or excuse me, on cable network TV um, next year, but then also in several of the major cities um, on uh, the major networks will be airing it throughout next year. So we're really excited about um, the reach that it is getting. Um, the next movie, uh, Where the Fast Lane Ends, uh, we're filming it now. It will will be through editing it by late spring, and so hopefully by this time next year, it too will be on network TV and and reaching tens of millions of people with with that message again. Well, that's that's great, and uh, and really uh, you know look forward to hopefully seeing seeing both of those uh, uh, pictures when when they're available. And uh, and then is there is there a way that people can get their hands on a tangible DVD or um, is there online access to these films if if people um, are unable to see them on network television? Yes. Um, if they'll go to ILF or Ivy League Farmer, ILFmovie.com, um, they can order the order the movie. And the proceeds, when you go on, on there, you'll think, um, well, that's a little more than I might pay for a movie at Walmart. Keep in mind that um, virtually all of the money that is spent for these DVDs um, goes to a nonprofit corporation that we've set up called Farming to Fight Hunger. And it's a nonprofit company or nonprofit organization that um, is doing exactly what we've just been talking about here for the last half an hour as far as getting the messaging out. Um, to, to fight against hunger and to stand up for industry. So um, the money that you spend on the DVDs goes for a great cause uh, to help further what it is we've been talking about here. So I'd encourage everybody not just buy one, but buy a hundred, give them to all your friends and family and people in the community and your local FFA chapters and help spread the message and also help, help us to raise money for these efforts. Well, I, I really do hope people uh, take that advice and do that because obviously it goes to a great cause. And um, and so, Randy, I just wanted to to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I, I think you've really um, helped 
clarify some of the the various points, um, both in terms of what we're facing in terms, you know, hunger issues in this country. Um, and then additionally, just, you know, getting, keeping the conversation going and, and you know, getting people involved and, and hopefully helping perpetuate uh, the interest in some of these backpack programs and, and feeding the youth in the country and so on. Um, so again, we're talking here with um, Randy Shanks, the VP of North American Sales for NutriBlend. So I just wanted to thank you again, Randy, for your time, and uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Christian, thank you so much for having me on today, and I, I appreciate your help and effort in getting these messages across and for everything you do for our industry. Well, we're happy to do it. Thank you so much, Christian. Thank you, Randy. Take care now. Thank you for joining us for the fourth episode of Perspectives Podcast. It was really great talking with Randy today, and I encourage that you go to drivetofeed.com to learn more about how you can help curb hunger in the United States. So please join us next time for episode five. In the meantime, go to iTunes and type in Perspectives Dairy to subscribe.